Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Tuesday Crew podcast. My name's Stephen McCutcheon, uh, and I'm joined tonight by my fellow Celts, Willie, Gav, and Steve. Willie, how are you doing? And uh, how is your viewing experience of another Celtic win over the bad guys? Yeah, it was another great win over the bad guys. Quite calm and relaxed about it, even in the build-up during the game as well. I wasn't too too perturbed by anything that was thrown our way. So yeah, it was all good. And Gav, how was it in the Bolneo CSC? Was it going off? Well, it was going off insofar as I was sitting on my lazy boy, watching it on the telly and swearing at the TV far more than my wife deemed acceptable in front of our eight-year-old boy whose own swearing we're trying to stop. So uh, (laughs) unlike Willie, I was a bit of a nervous wreck during the game, I have to say. Uh, But I re-watched it this morning, which was incredible insofar as it helped me reappraise the whole thing and I was able to see things a lot more clearly. Uh, But we can get into all that nitty-gritty later. The result was everything. We got it. We're on for the treble. They're a shambles. We beat them yet again. And as Martin O'Neill said to Ange, absolutely fantastic win. Fantastic. Great impersonation, yeah, and I'm in awe of your uh, preparation, Gav, watching the game again this morning, so good on you, mate, get top of the class for that. Um, Steve, where, how was your viewing experience? Oh, you know, it was very good fun, um, sitting here, and I'm normally the nervous wreck, um, like Gav said, but I was actually more willy than Gav uh, on the weekend. Um, I was, you know, unusually calm. Uh, and there's probably some 
reasons for that, which we'll get into as we get into the pod. But um, yeah, it was good fun. Yeah, very good. Um, yeah, pretty much the same. Watched it on the couch uh, too late at night for a, for an old an old guy like myself to be going to the pub. Um, so yeah, it was good. Enjoyed it. Um, always nervous in these games. Uh, probably scar tissue from from previous experiences. But um, but yeah, enjoyed it. Uh, but we'll get into the game um, a lot more in a minute. But just for a minute before we start, can we just talk a little bit about Jao Pedro Neves Felipe, otherwise known as Jota? Um, an absolute legend turning up uh, in the popular Celtic bar, the Brazen Head in the Gorbals, uh, last Wednesday afternoon, sporting double denim, uh, the ultra-iconic Bumblebee away top from the 1990s, uh, where he played a few games of pools with the locals and uh, posed for a few pictures. Now, this guy is just an absolute legend who just seems to fit entirely into the club, and I think he'll be remembered long after he's left, you know, unlike some other players who come and go. Um, so what do you think, Willie? Did you did you see all those pictures of Jota in the Brazen? Yeah, I, I saw the pictures of him. He enjoyed a game of pool in the Barcelona. I mean, it's it's, um, it's a breath of fresh air to see him endearing himself to the fans in such a way. You know I mean? It's, it's, he's going out there, he's trying to connect with them, he's trying to sort of see what Celtic are all about and he goes to one of the most notorious boozers for all Celtic fans to go into and he... Yeah, like I say, it's a breath of fresh air. Could you imagine what the Celtic would try to charge if if the brazen head phoned them up and says, "Look, can we get Jota come and open the bar for us?" Like you know, what I mean? it would cost them a fortune. Yeah. So. yeah, yeah. And Gav, uh, when would be the last time you were sporting double denim? <laughs> uh, not sure if I ever did. <laughs> yeah, the double denim's not great. The hair's not that great. I preferred the sort of. Uh, George Michael Buffont of last year. Mm. Uh, I think that's maybe people, something of a hair expert. You know, myself. People in glass houses, Gav, <laughs> and all that. <laughs> but uh, I mean, it's great how much he loves the club. Like, and he mm. he's really making such an effort. You know, he he gets Angers football. He seems to get the club, and he's a big hero and best player in Scotland. Many people think. And as you say, you're, he's going to be remembered you know, fondly. Uh, as we discussed a, li- a little bit before in a previous pod, you know, it's how you engineer your departure from Celtic. It's quite important as to how you're remembered. So I just mm-hmm. hope to God that when the time eventually comes, he leaves with our blessing because he's a smashing player and a great fella. And Steve, you'd be a you'd be a regular on the brazen head back in the day. Yeah, yeah, it was my uh, regular haunt. <laughs> I, I was pretty confident you were going to say when was the last time you sported a Jota haircut, but um, <laughs> uh, I got that one. No, uh, no, I'm oh, not, no. not overly familiar with the brazen head, I'm afraid. Um, but uh, it'll be uh, it'll be on the the list next time I go over. Uh, I'll make sure my uh, my brother-in-law takes me out there. So yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a very very iconic bar um, sitting down near the Gorbals. I mean, it's not the most appealing place from the outside, but uh, inside it's. Uh, just all full of Celtic uh, memorabilia all over every inch of the wall. Um, I did used to go there myself before the home games occasionally back in the day. Um, it was very good. I also noticed in the pictures they were handing him a copy of a CD, um, which was um, Era Og, Live at the Brazen Head. <laughs> and I just, I, I wonder, I wonder what he made of it, to be honest with you. I was actually there the day they recorded that. Um, <laughs> 
So listen to it and you'll get a flavour of uh, what it's like. They put it back on Spotify uh, a few weeks back, so um, it's back on there now. So edit all, live at the Brazen Head, listen to it, and it'll give you a flavour of what the, the Brazen was like pre-match back in the day. So yeah, yeah, I thought that was great. It was great to see him just down there engaging with, with, with normal fans. And as Willie, that's a great point, Willie. Um, Celtic would have charged you about you know fifty quid a ticket to, to see that you know it would have been a it have been a, a real earner for them but it was good to see them just popping in. I'm just having a look at their um at their website and their their tagline is you'll never drink alone which uh, I, I can imagine if Jot is in the building uh, he would never get left alone but um, yeah very good. <laughs> yeah okay so let, let's dive right into the match head first. Um, born a Barisic style. Um, I might. Go, I'll go to you, Willie, and um, just get your overview of the match and how you generally thought it played out. We'll drill into sort of individual aspects of it in, in a few minutes. But what was your general thoughts? Um, yeah, I thought it was a, a decent enough game. It was a frantic start, and then once the game settled, we took control of the first half. We dictated the play. Um, we got our goal. We'll go into that in more detail, thankfully, um, because it was um, a joy to watch. But the second half came and Rangers came out stronger and until about the... We made our subs in the 70th minute. Until about then, they seemed to have the bulk of the play, but at no time did I think that they were, they were going to score. They didn't really threaten other than Fashion Sakala's cloth. And then we just sort of saw the game out from there. Steve, general thoughts? Um, so, look, I thought our defence was phenomenal. So I, I, I know I've occasionally been a critic of Joe Hart and, you know, I think Carl Starkfeltz, you know, occasionally has the, you know, <laughs> a mistake in him. But I actually thought the defence as a unit, you know, Hart, the full-backs, the centre-backs were fantastic. Now, that's not to say that I thought, um, Rangers were putting us under a huge amount of pressure, but they were just shelling crosses in, you know, which is their thing, you know, it's, it's no great surprise. But it felt like CCD and, and Starfelt could have just, <laughs> you know, mopped them up, you know, all all day long. Um, and the other thing I would pick out is our forward play. And Ange actually made a point of this after the game in terms of. Um, the forwards pressing and pushing and cajoling and pressing them into making mistakes, you know, because the easy narrative is, oh, Rangers make a mistake again and, and Celtic capitalise on it. But the reality is that it's the Celtic pressing play that forces the mistake, um, same as it was in the last game. So, yeah, I thought our defence was really strong. I thought our forward pressing was fantastic as a unit. I've got some observations on the midfield, but we'll, we'll save them for the, the detailed deep dive. All right. Um, I'll just bring in Andrew Galea from the comments. Uh, Andrew was very relaxed throughout. Um, they never really threatened. They had a crack and fell short again. Gav, are you in agreement with Andrew? Well, I wish I was like Andrew and could be relaxed throughout because I totally wasn't. You know, there was a time around 70 minutes or something that I was watching the game and I just had that shudder go through me thinking, OK, they're going to score. 
This is going to go to extra time. Uh, and, you know, the summary that we've heard so far from Willie and Steve is accurate, but I didn't feel that at the time. Only on second viewing do I see that that kind of was the case. You know, we had by far the better first half. Loads of sort of chances, half chances, which I kind of forgot about. You know, I sort of convinced myself that when it's the Glasgow Derby, form goes out the window, it's all a mess, nobody plays their own football, it's a scramble, whoever happens to get the goal wins. And that's sort of a narrative that you hear. But we kind of played our football pretty well in the first half, I thought. And then the second half, yeah, they came into it more, but we still, again, had chances and still played some good stuff. You know, I was really surprised by how good we were, actually, on second viewing, because I didn't... I think you have a tendency to discount your own chances and maybe exaggerate the threat posed by the opposition in real time. So, uh, yeah, on second viewing, uh, it was a, a good win. We had to endure the pressure, all that stuff that Willie and Steve said. I wish I had the, you know, the four or the wherewithal to see it at the time and be more relaxed, but I don't have that. Yeah, I think I agree with you, Gav. I, I, I'm going to, I'll admit I was nervous watching the game, but I think that was only, it's, you only get nervous watching these games because of what's at stake. Uh, and ultimately, while it still sits at 1 0, you're just one, you know, bro- breaking the ball away from going to extra time. And you've seen what happened when, um, and Sakala missed, missed the sitter. That that could easily have went in and then we're on to extra time. And who knows what happens after that. Um, but I agree with you. I think we controlled the first half uh, around about the 30-minute mark. Um, I just got the feeling we were going to score. We, we were starting to pass through their press really easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were getting at the... Our wide players were getting at their fullbacks and there was some good deliveries going in the box. Jota had one that um, just went under his foot, but he should have controlled um, and that would have been a that would have been a, a big chance, um, and I, I was only I was surprised I wasn't surprised when the goal finally went in, but um, we might just we might just talk about the goal now um, and how I know we're not we're not here to talk about Rangers right although oh, we are going we to talk about, we're going to, <laughs> we're going to talk a bit about Rangers tonight here's a spoiler right <laughs> so how bad was the goal uh, from their defending point of view and. Um, you know, what, what What were they all thinking? It started from they fell asleep at a quick free kick that, that Callum McGregor played, and he played it into O'Reilly, who advanced down the right, who was then blatantly fouled by Raskin. Of course, uh, the ref didn't give the foul. Everyone in the stadium except the ref thought it was a foul, including the Rangers players. They all stopped. Um, there was seven of them, I counted, all who seemed to just stop playing. Uh, and the only one who didn't was Amaida. He's gone in. Great delivery. You can't, you mean you can't fault the delivery. He's wrapped his foot around the ball and got it to the back post. And then it's another one for the Tavernier uh, Hall of Fame, um, where he's just <laughs> fallen asleep again and let Jota run in behind him and score a, a reasonable easy header. So, you know, let's just have a laugh about that and, you know, take the piss for a bit. How bad were they, Willie? Oh, it was terrible. I mean, you can watch Celtic, you've seen Henrik Larson score his little chip. You've seen us score absolute screamers like Nakamura with a 30-yard breaker and that. But watching your, 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 
your rivals just fall apart like that and allowing something so simple to go in is it's up there with that like you know what i mean that little touch of not salty you know he's sprinkling on it it's just just couldn't believe what i was seeing it was just like raskin's giving it the old with his hands about somebody go to well you're closest to it raskin and then barisic is just he's all over the shop and i made it just goes random on a ball beautiful ball to the back post and just jaws there cleans it up and the red as to as for the referee that's what happens when you get a biased referee. Ah, oh, we'll just we'll just let that slide. And if you actually watch it back, the referee's turned his back to play and ready to run up the pitch, as is Ryan Kent. He's ready to move up the pitch with Ryan Kent. And then all of a sudden the is off. Nobody's taking that out of it, like, you know. And Tavernier like looks twice behind him over his shoulder. I jot is there, I jot is there, ball comes up, oh jot is there. Oops, I forgot about him. I mean uh, it was a joy, like I, I loved it, like I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, Steve, um, if you were coaching at an under-10 side, mm-hmm. you would be annoyed at losing a goal like that, wouldn't you? Let, let's be honest. <laughs> Very probably. I mean, I, I genuinely laughed out loud. I, you know, um, I was watching it on um, uh, BN, you know, so I don't know if anyone else in Australia had the same issue, you know, where uh, the audio mix was really off. You know, so you could hear the crowd noise fantastically, but you couldn't hear any commentary. Um, but I rewound it because I, I thought, oh, no, hang on. Hang on, I've missed something here. There's been some massive sleight of hand. You know, someone's kind of cast a spell on the seven Rangers players that are standing stock still. <laughs> and to Willie's point, the one Rangers player that's not standing stock still was Ryan Kent. He was running away from the... <laughs> You know, from the Rangers box, and I, I genuinely thought, no, I've, I've missed something. You know, so I rewound it, looked at it, and I thought, no, no, that's just them. You know, but it, it it's the same narrative. You know, I mean, without going too deep into it, you know, you read, and it's my guilty secret. I've said it before. I listen to some of their podcasts. Uh, um, I'm deep undercover on a on follow follow <laughs> and a few others, but you read some of their threads. You know, and it's kind of like. Oh, you know, it's just the defence letting us down. And it's it's just the attack that can't score. <laughs> and the yeah. midfield that, you know, it's kind of like, you know, other than the defence, the midfield, the forward. Yeah, you what know, have the just, Romans ever done for us? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. But I mean, the manager, don't forget him. <laughs> yeah, oh boy. <laughs> we'll come on to some of, the, um, some of the more broad observations in a moment. But in terms of the goal, no, I mean... I, I just, I genuinely laughed out loud, you know, and, and my wife had literally just got to bed. Um, she, you know, said, no, I can't stay up, can't stay up, and work in the morning, blah, blah, blah. And she came running back in, you know, she was like, what happened? <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> I said, I'm laughing at the Rangers, <laughs> you know, and they're comical defending. So, yeah, it's so, good fun. Yeah, and another uh, iconic goal celebration to go with it. Another yeah. one that will be they'll, they'll be selling prints of that in the Celtic shop if they're not doing it already. Um, I'll be very surprised. They should be out by the end of the week. Um, Gav, your, your thoughts on the goal? Well, I echo what everyone said. It was hilarious. It was a mistake, obviously. But the question is, would it have been punished by many other teams? You know, certainly none in Scotland might have done what we did. You know, it was a bit like the back pass to the defender where Kyogo nipped in a few games ago. 
and turned that into a fatal mistake. It wasn't much of a mistake, but because it was against us, it became fatal. And the same with this one. And to echo what Steve was saying there, this whole narrative of you only win because of our mistakes, argument that they're clinging to, it's just so idiotic. makes no sense. You know, you exploit your opponent's weaknesses, find ways to break down their defences and attack them. And Jota himself said an interesting thing in a post-match interview. He said, we aim to be always good in every moment of the game and you need to be focused because there's always mistakes. Football is made of mistakes and you need to be able to understand when to take advantage of that and just be smart. I think football is about that. And whenever you have the opportunity, if you have the talent, if you are ruthless on your chances, you get the opportunity to score and today was no different. So, you know, it's a part of the game. And for these idiots to be saying that somehow it does us down, that we only score when they make mistakes, is just so lame and hollow and embarrassing. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, so I'll just bring in JJI from the comments here. So he said, must be embarrassing for so-called professionals. That was Sunday League stuff. Raskin blaming Barisic. Barisic blaming Raskin and the captain sleeping amongst others. So, um, yeah, that, that's very true. Although I think it was worse than Sunday League stuff. Um, that was it was just awful. Um, so, yeah, the first half, so we're going at halftime 1-0 up. Um, fairly deservedly 1-0 up. Um, and then we come out for the second half. Um, were we expecting any changes at halftime? Um, we came out the same 11 for starting the game. I was kind of expecting him to pull Hitati at halftime. He wasn't having much of a game. Uh, were we surprised that, um, that the same 11 came out for the second half? With yourself, Steve? Yeah, no, I thought the exact same thing. I mean, obviously we all love Hitati. He's coming back from three or four weeks out. Um and, you know, you have to trust the manager at the end of the day. He sees him train all week and he, you know, makes a call and, and you know, he'll get all the data to inform the decision around whether he's ready to play or not. But the eye test in the first half, you know, and, and the Tati's game, it, 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 I was trying to explain it to someone uh, earlier this week. I was saying he, he just, he seems to always be in the right spot, you know, whether it's about, you know, intercepting them. Uh, you know, an opposition uh, pass or whether it's about making space for himself to receive, you know, a teammate's pass or whatever. He always seems to be in that right spot. He makes, you know, he's always moving. He's always, you know, and he just looked off it. You know, not not as dramatically off it as Moy was in, in, in that game where he came back from injury. Um, and we'll come on to him in a moment, you know, in terms of, of this weekend's game, but he, he just wasn't himself, you know, so I, I really did expect um, expect him to come off and probably the natural replacement would have been the latter to come on. Um, but again, you know, you have to just trust the, you know, the decisions that the, the coach has made, let's be honest, you know, he's, he's built it up, up enough credit in the bank for us to, uh, you know, to, to trust him fully. So, yeah. Yes, I'll just bring in Mahesh from the comments. Mahesh, one of our regular contributors. Welcome, mate. Uh, Celtic had momentum control first half, but allowed Rangers to have too much momentum in the second till the subs started to work. 
Celtic conceded too much ground second half. So, Willie, um, do you agree with that? Do you think we, we did absorb, uh, absorb a bit of pressure at the start of the second half? Uh, do you think that was sort of nullified when we made the substitutions? Um, yeah, I seem to think that like when our subs came on, that was about the 70th minute or so, we seemed to take control back. Aaron Moy seemed to pick up the ball and he didn't waste it. He seemed to do whatever he needed to do with the ball and do it right. Um, I wasn't really keen on taking O'Reilly off. I thought O'Reilly was having quite a good game, but mm-hmm. it seemed to work. Wata comes on and he doesn't waste the ball a lot. He seems to... He, he, he sold a short one when he first came on, but um, other than that, he, he's really tidy in possession. So from there on in, we just seemed to see the game out. We just played our game and we, we didn't let the occasion get to us. Though. So it was good. I mean, the second half, Rangers, for me, like... When we were under the cost, Rangers were pressing high and, and trying to make it narrow. They were pressing our, our, our back three and, and Callum McGregor and trying to draw draw the full backs in to try and make space for an overlap for, for Barisic and Tavernier to get the crosses in because that seems to be their, their, their main outball. But as Steve said, Carter Vickers and, and um, Starfield, they were just soaking it all up, pumping it back up the park. It was... It was there was no threat there really from them. If you, I, I watched the game back like Gab did, and yeah, there was no threat from them at all. So, yeah, I think they were just shelling balls into the box. And really, when Morelos, <coughs> useless though he is, he is a target for, for a long diagonal. Um, and he can get round the back and cause a little bit of trouble. But when he went off, there was nothing really. They were, they were just shelling balls into the box for the sake of it. And as you say, Starfield and CCB were just gobbling them up, just heading everything away. Um, so I'll go to you, Gav. How do you think the substitutions improved things from our point of view? And who would be a who would be a standout of the three subs who come on out of Moy, um, Iwata, and Haksabanovic? Well, probably quite an obvious answer, I think, to that. Uh, in with the benefit of hindsight. Moy was maybe a better shot to have started than Hatate. We were never to know that. But, uh, I mean, he came on and he looked like he was ready to play in a way that he hasn't over the past couple of games. Uh, so, thought he was great. Um, Awata got his heels clipped quite early on, not not long after coming on. Yes. You know, it was quite... I, I That might have curtailed his influence a little bit. Not sure. But on that point, it was a bit of a bruising encounter, wasn't it? There was a lot of players feel it the next morning. Obviously, Johnson hobbling about. Uh, Kyogo getting smashed early in by uh, Lundstrom. And various others, you know, that we will come on to him later. But Cantwell, you know, nipping at people's heels. and It was quite a bruising encounter. But yeah, the subs ultimately did help us sort of stabilise things and improve things, just bringing that element of control back to the midfield. I agree with the comment from Mahesh, I have to say. And there were a few too many balls in the box for my liking, you know? Mm. I mean, it's one thing to say it's meat and drink to our excellent defence, and it was, but, you know, all you need is one to drop to that more or less, and he'll score. Yeah. And what did we think of something that's been mentioned in the comments here uh, by Mahesh, um, which I'll just bring up just now. 
Coaches must have seen the data and had a word with Hart during the week. Came off his line more than usual to nullify Rangers mm-hmm. wheel threat around the six-yard mm-hmm. box. So it was noticeable, wasn't it, that Hart was yeah. coming for crosses and punching them really well, to be fair. Um, a couple of his punches always landed up in the halfway line. Um, so that's something you don't normally see from um, from, from Joe Hart. So I think Nahesh is probably onto something there. I think it was probably a deliberate tactic. Um, Willie, do you think do you think that was something we've uh, Ange is as uh, pinpointed from previous games? Yeah, I think um, previous games you've seen Rangers pick up second balls from from loose headers and that. So if you're going to get the keeper to come out and punch it right into the, the right into the upper fields of the upper of our own half, like, then yeah, it's probably going to work out better for you than than having scrambles around the box, which could result in a little foul and let Tavernier into an area where he can ping off a free kick. And if McGregor had been given the same instructions, who knows, he might have been off his line for the, the cross that resulted in the goal. <laughs> he, McGregor just... never leaves his line. Huh? <laughs> no. uh, well, he was another one of the never sleeping, has been. Uh, he was another he one of the sleeping that. seven. <laughs> yeah. No, he's, he's anchored. That's anchored without a W uh, to his goal line. Yeah. He absolutely never leaves his goal line. Never, never actually has, in fairness. Um <laughs> But yeah, much to the uh, chagrin of the uh, the follow follow threads. Yeah. <laughs> Even with the like the clearances, like Joe Hart coming out and kicking it long, was yeah. like he it, it enhances his game. If that was if Celtic were happy for him to play that way, it would enhance his game so much more. But you, you just see that little nervous side of him when him and Starfield are trying to do passes between each other, and it's just like mm, it doesn't quite work. But when you see it there, like yesterday, it was so confident. His display was was really good. Like, okay, I'll just bring Andrew Andrew Galea in. He's making a point. He was yelling at the telly when Moy made his double tackles, yeah. um, and it was quite an impressive cameo by Aaron Moy. Um, he struggled a bit for the last few games, but I thought he had a great, you know, a great twenty minutes or so when it, when he came on, and he really sort of. Help to see out the game quite comfortably. So do we think do you think Moy's back to his best now um, after his, his issues post injury? Um, and do you think we'll see him getting a start in the next game? Willie, what do you reckon? Um, the next game is going to be a tough game. It's a tight pitch in Tynecastle, so there's there's a good chance he might come in there. We know that they're quite dirty and they'll come in heavy in their challenges. So you don't want Rio Atati coming off the. Mm fresh off the injury table to be going straight back onto it again. So you might see him come in and Rio Tati making a, a cameo from the bench this time. So yeah. With Moy, he seems to need a few games to get up to ahead of, ahead of steam. So yeah. he seems to be getting there. So like it, it would be it I would be a bit foolish not to let him go again, right? See if he's ready for it. Like. I think that must be an Aussie thing, because I mean Tommy Rogic was the same. I don't know about you. I mean I, I love Tommy Rogic, as, as I may have mentioned on the pod previously, um, but he was always the same coming back from injury. You know, he was it would be two or three games where it would look, you know, oh my goodness, you know, slow, even by Tommy standards, you know. But then he, you know, would just glide in. So mm-hmm. I think Moy's not dissimilar. You know, it just takes a couple of games to get up to speed. All right. Um, so I think. The sort of universal opinion is that Cameron Carter-Vickers was man of the match. Um, so I think 
out with Cameron Carter Vickers, who would have been your, your star performer from the Celtic side? Um, Gav, who, who would be your pick of the bunch? Well, I think our back five or back six, even after Ralston came on, were all excellent. Um, I think Starfelt, who I've also been critical of, was very good. You know, I thought O'Reilly had a good game. I thought he was always a bit of a thorn in their side. Mm. I mean, lots of our players had a good... Nobody had a bad game, really. I mean, well, maybe a couple did their usual not much when they came on. Um, Yeah, I'd probably go for Starfelt. You wouldn't be referring to our um, Korean striker, would you there, Gav? <laughs> well, uh, him and... Well, Haktabanovic didn't do a great deal either, but O did yeah. his usual... Yeah. I mean, I think his name should be not O-H. That. That's what he does. That's harsh. harsh. Very harsh. harsh. Yeah. It's a t- tough crowd. <laughs> tough crowd. I thought he actually did okay when he came on. I thought he took the game up the park for us. Uh, yeah, he looks well, keen and he runs about and he gets annoyed when the decisions go against him and he gives away a few needless free kicks. Fantastic. Champions League, here we come. All right, so no O from you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, talking about the back six, um, I would just like to mention Anthony Ralston, mm. particularly. Um, for a guy who's not kicked the ball for months, and I genuinely can't remember the last game he played, um, someone could maybe tell me that in the, in the comments. Uh, he was he was really good. And when he first came on, Rangers were pressing high and they had his pinned back round about the corner flag for, for a bit, but he didn't lose his composure. Um, and we played our way out it uh, and we saw it through. And I thought he was excellent for a guy who, who hasn't played any any games. I mean, I'm not, not a huge fan of Anthony Ralston, but I, I thought he, he deserved enormous credit for what he put into that game. Um, Steve, did you agree with that? No, I do. Um, very much so. I mean, he's been on the bench for a couple of weeks. Uh, I'm just checking there. Um, yeah, so he was out for about a month uh, and then back on the bench, you know, for a couple of weeks. So he was on the bench against Kilmarnock, against Motherwell. So he was clearly um, training fit, if not match fit. Uh, but I thought he came on. I thought he, I thought he did really well. Um, I mean... Alistair Johnson, we haven't really talked about him, but I mean, he was fantastic in this game, you know. I, I mean, don't get me wrong, keeping Ryan Kent under control is probably not the biggest ask he'll have over his career, you know, but um, he was fantastic. You know, he was up and down that line. He's He's got phenomenal balance. I don't know if anyone else has noticed this, and um, someone has mentioned, you know, his ice hockey, uh, you know, not career, but playing ice hockey growing up, you know, he probably developed that balance, you know, but you just see players bound into him, you know, and he, he really doesn't rock that much. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously he was a loss to go off. Um, but it certainly, it, it certainly yeah. showed impressive balance when he was bouncing around on one foot, waving his yeah. crutches <laughs> in the air after the games. <laughs> that was the funniest thing, honestly. And Rio Hitachi saying, calm down, mate. You know, I'm not being funny. You know, <laughs> do the other one. Um, got a moon boot on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, I thought uh, Tony Ralston came on and, and did really well. And I think he's just a really good, honest, professional player. Let's be honest. I, 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 you know, I wanted him to be successful, you know, but a couple of years ago it was looking really unlikely. 
Uh, we all thought he was on his way out, but he's he's really turned around. And, you know, going back to that comment around Jota and how much he gets the club, I think as players, they probably appreciate how the club is developing them as well. I think Jota and Ralston and other players, they must look at their own trajectory and they must think, actually, you know, I, I'm improving as a player. And, you know, that's obviously down to my application, but it's also down to the club's investment in me as well. So, I think they do appreciate it. And get well soon, AJ and all, but I'm looking forward to Ralston getting a few games. Mm. I feel sorry for him that he's been sort of squeezed out this season to a large extent. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously we hope um, we hope uh, AJ is not too badly injured. Um, we'd love to see him back um, for the cup final um, and for, you know, maybe, t- maybe you know, flag day, the last day of the season. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Ralston, exceptional couple of comments here that are agreeing with that. Um, Michael Ross is, I'll bring his comment up. He says that Rolston always gives 100% and has improved under Ange. Um, mm. And he certainly has. You consider he was out in loan at St. Johnson uh, and in the United and, and didn't really didn't really impress on loan and came back at a time when we didn't really have a right back and he was playing there by default. But he's gone on and really improved under, under Ange and he'd be in the running for the, the most improved player at the club, I would say, for you know, given where he started from, where his starting position was. So yeah, absolutely brilliant for, from Anthony Ralston. Um Willie, um what about Dyson Maida? What is he on? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. I think he's still running right now. Like he's just he's just he's an energizer bunny, isn't he? He just keeps going and going and going. And he, he's on the right, he's on the left, he's dropping down deep to help out in defence. He's, he's crossing the ball in and all of a sudden they've got a breakaway and they're up the pitch. And who's that at left back? Oh, it's Dyson May, that's doing the captain. Like, you know, he's, he just covers every bit of grass on that pitch. It's, it's just something different, you know what I mean? It's just a brilliant player. And one of the great things about him is like one of their big, one of their most dangerous outballs is, is um, Taverni, apparently. And he's getting up and down the right, but Maeda pins him into the fullback position. Taverni is scared to leave his own half when Maeda's there because he knows he cannot beat him for pace. Mm-hmm. And he knows that if that ball gets anywhere past him, then he's gone. That's it. It's all over. Like. So it, it, it's brilliant. Like For me, he was just that, that ball he put in to jot at the back post, it was just a touch of class. Like, you know what I mean? And to have, to have the wherewithal to say, right, well, their ball stopped, I'm going to go in there and get this ball. Like, it was just brilliant, mate. Like, you know? It just sort of typifies that we never stop mentality that we have. Like. Yeah, I think he, he went down with cramp with about five minutes to go, and I thought, my God, cramp? I mean, that'd be, it'd be open heart surgery for me if I put that right. amount of effort into yeah. God, I mean, he's incredible. Uh, the amount of time he, he nicks the ball off the toe of, of a Rangers player or an opposition player who, who think they've got plenty of time and just don't just underestimate his speed um, is incredible. So I, I would give him, I would give him a mention for man of the match uh, behind. I agree with Gav. My star felt for me behind Carter Vickers, but after that, I'd say I'd say Maeda. Um, who would you pick, Willie? I had um, Starfelt. I thought the two of them at the back was brilliant, but I was going to give a special shout-out to Joe Hart and Maeda because I thought Joe Hart was commanding and I thought Maeda just, like I said, he covered every blade of grass on the pitch. Like, it was just brilliant to watch. Like. 
Okay, a couple of good saves from Hart. Yeah, uh, and it's certainly his punching and his commanding of his own box was was much was much better. Um, so that's that really did nullify their threat, especially late in the game. Mm. Um, so just uh, moving on to the opposition for a minute uh, or two, or maybe even three. Um, can we talk a little bit about Todd Cantwell, um, who? I've seen it on, on some of the Rangers' socials, some sort of suggesting that it had a good game, right? But I must have been watching it at an entirely different 90 minutes because to me, he did absolutely nothing in the game apart from G up the crowd a couple of times, apart from trying to hide the medical bag from Rio Hitati so he couldn't get a drink. Um, and also, he was completely ineffective in what he was trying to do. And... For anybody to see he had a, a good game is is frankly laughable. Gav, what 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 was your what was your your views on Cantwell, the TikTok superstar? Yeah, I was kind of hoping you weren't going to come to me first on this because uh, it's, I find it interesting that you know this is the narrative that we hear now and across all the Celtic fan media, all the focus is on Cantwell and. I think even in your notes, you were like, let's talk about their worst performing players like Cantwell. And I would say a host of Rangers players worse than him. You know, up front, Kent and Morelos were terrible. Tillman wasn't much better. Their fullbacks were crap. Uh, Rumpelstiltskin, uh, sorry, Rumpelstiltskin was the most at fault for losing possession leading up to the goal-bound cross. And Sakala, you know, missed that, you know, open goal, as they're all calling it. It kind of was. So, you know, Cantwell, I would say his behaviour and antics were that of the first syllable of his name. But relative to his teammates, he did perform like the second. I thought he was... It's understandable why they say he was their best player because he was always asking for the ball, he was trying to do things. I mean, I don't like him, don't get me wrong. I, I find him an insufferable little prick. But, you know, what did he do? He didn't hide. He was trying to move the ball quickly. He was trying to make forward passes, which he couldn't because there was no movement in front of him from their front players. Um, he sprayed one long crossfield pass to Kent, which was nice. Uh, he headed down to Tillman in the box, who was asleep. Could have got a shot away if he was on the front foot. So, sorry for the pushback, and I imagine everyone hates me in the comments and things, but uh, I don't like him. Yeah, I, uh, I don't like him at all. Uh, he was horrible, wee prick, and, you know, I, I have no respect for his TikTok videos. <laughs> but uh, he wasn't the worst Rangers player on the park. And I can see why they're holding on to him as their one crumb of comfort because they've got nothing else. There's literally nothing else. He's a twig in the ocean and they're pretending it's keeping them afloat. Kill the vibe, I'll go to someone else next time and I'm looking for someone to agree with me. Um, I should maybe I rephrase that to say who was Rangers' funniest player. I think he was going to be the funniest player with the hair yeah. cutting the, yeah. the the water hiding and all that sort of carry on. Yeah. Um, and loathsome, well, he was loathsome. <laughs> yeah, 
So Willie, talk me through the, the incident where he tried to prevent Rio Hitati from getting a drink of water. Well, I mean, what's he doing? I mean, that's just high school bully stuff, you know. I mean, there's that poster boy who's got the flash car because mum and dad's rich and he's going to throw the, the water bottles away from the people he doesn't like. It's just like, grow up, mate. And then Hitati just goes round and like Tavernier and Morelos, they're all sheepish. I oh, hear just you take one and they're just kind of looking at him like, what are you doing? Like, it's just, Ah, I just couldn't get over it. Like, what are you playing at, man? Is that going to make you TikTok famous? Is it? Are they going to? Are they going to have that as their? Is that going to be their Facebook profile pictures now? Him throwing the water bottle bags away because that's all he really managed to do successfully throughout the game. Sorry, guy. But uh, he's not. He's not high up on my list. Not a, I'm not a fan. Kate, Don't paint me uh, with that. Oh, you're coming across as a fan, Gav. You can see um, next week old uh, TikTok Todd with uh, TikTok Gav, you know, doing a, yeah. a duet, some dance or whatever. But um, <laughs> it was good. Well, we've got similar. Oh, we've got a similar six pack. I'll give you that. Uh, <laughs> is there a bit of hair jealousy going on there, Gav? Maybe just a touch. <laughs> I mean, he's got a nice head of hair. I'll give him that. Luscious. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I would say the whole, I mean, I'll be honest, I actually can't, other than long diagonal um, shells into the box, I actually don't know how the Rangers play. You know, at the end of the day, they've got no real discernible style to me, you know, yet. They use the fullbacks, but it's pretty much they use the fullbacks to, you know, ping these balls into the box. So, if you were to sit down and ask me to describe how Celtic play, you know, I could point out five or six things. And I'm, I'm no, you know, tactician, but you know, I could pick out five or six things. Most of us could, you know. But when it comes to the Rangers, honestly, I, I'm, I'm a little bit lost, you know. But their game plan, as far as the weekend went, just seemed all about negating us. You know, it was about their front guys were less about actually creating. It was more about negating the ball, getting to Calmac, you know, because they know that everything goes through Calmac and he's the starting point for, you know, so much that we do. Um, it was about negating our quick play. So even when they, you'd think they would have momentum and they would be pressing, you know, they got a couple of corners in quick succession. But do you know what? They were walking to the ball you know, because it was all about trying to negate us and frustrate us, you know. Um, that Lundstrom assault on Kyogo in the third minute is about trying to negate Kyogo. It's about trying to probably put him in the air and land him on his shoulder and, you know, get him out of the game like they did, you know, in one of the previous matches. It was all negative, you know, it was all... Um, it's hard to describe, you know, it's not like there was anything proactive. It was all very, you know, actually, this is how we won the game. And, you know, the reality is if they're thinking they can build a team around TikTok Todd and, you know, the Hobbit, you know, honestly, I, I look at that and I just, I just laugh, you know, I just think if you're shopping in the championship and the English first division, A, is an expensive place to shop and B, you know, frankly, they're probably looking at Bosman's, you know, so albeit expensive in terms of wages, you know, they're probably looking at, at, at Bosman signings. 
you know, surely that's, you know, if that's their ambition, it just seems ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous, you know. And I guess we'll come on to that as we get towards the end of the season and we start thinking about our, you know, summer season and, and you know, signing targets and how we improve and think about how our opposition would, you know, rebuild. But it just seems ridiculous, the idea that this narrative that they could build, you know, a, a, a team around TikTok Todd and, and Nicola Raskan, you know, it just seems, you know, frankly, quite laughable. Good pronunciation, though, Steve. What TikTok Todd? No, Raskan. Raskan. <laughs> yeah, I felt I felt that um, the Rangers' tactics and style was 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 very reminiscent of what we'd seen the week before from Motherwell. Yes. To be honest, we had say they're just a slightly more sophisticated version of, of Motherwell, St. Mirren, and every other team. That, that comes to play Celtic and tries to negate our style, tries to slow the game down. We've seen it from Motherwell with time wasting, with injuries and all that sort of stuff. And it's all about trying to stop, uh, try to get around Callum McGregor and stop our passing lanes from the centre half forward. And no one else has been able to do it. And Rangers ultimately, ultimately couldn't do it either. Um, but just getting back to, to TikTok Todd for a second, um, the one that we are late on in the second half where Maida got booked for shouldering him mm. off the ball. When you when you look watch that one back in slow motion, old Toddy boy tries to lead with the elbow, and um, mm. so he's trying to get a he's trying to get a piece of Maida with his elbow and ends up getting absolutely bellied by by Maida onto his ass, and and Maida ends up getting booked. That was a that that was a terrible decision by the ref. Yeah. It was, well, but he wins a lot of free kicks like that. My my hero Todd uh, gets a lot of free kicks, gets the opposition carded. You know, it's another feather in his uh, his dainty cap. <laughs> no, but there was a, there was another one. I, I can't find it in my notes now. But there was at one point where he breaks from the middle of their half, and he actually progresses the ball well. And I'm actually looking at it thinking. Our centre backs are backing away from him. I'm thinking someone needs to take him. Someone needs to take him. But then, at some point, he then just skies the ball over, mm. you know, our byline. But then falls over, you know, and is appealing for a, you know a free kick. <laughs> and then, you know, he he gets treatment. You know, so he actually gets the trainer on to, I don't know, treat his embarrassment. You know, for for the attempt at a pass or whatever it was. I don't know. But I mean. Yeah. The guy's a meme. The guy's just like a walking meme. He's he's an idiot, you know. But, but that's yeah. one he he jumped in and um, Johnson didn't he? he yeah. Just Johnson was coming towards him. He just jumped into him and Johnson just stood and watched him fall to the deck. But he seems to pick up the ball. He seems to he has a tendency to run straight across the pitch, not up the pitch, not back. He seems to pick up the ball and run straight across midfield and drop the, either try and drop a shot over or drop back. And there was a few times I've seen him just pass the ball to Raskin and stand beside him and wait for Raskin to make the pass. It's just I can't understand what the all the hype is. And like I said earlier, he's on forty five thousand a week, so. Is he, is he worth that? Right? You know what I mean? Money, money well spent, Gav. Money well Man. spent. Oh my God. Yeah, I, mean, look, that, I agree sorry, with Steve. Like if they think they can build a team around him, then happy days for us. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm here for it, as you would say, Stephen. 
Bring it on. <laughs> yeah, let's just quickly touch on the, the referee. We like to we like to talk about referees on the Tuesday crew. Um, so Don Don Robertson, obviously the substitute referee after uh, Willie Collum mysteriously went down injured in the warm up uh, with no one near him. Uh, rumours that Willie Collum would get booked for simulation are apparently wider the mark. <laughs> so, uh, what did we what did we think of Don Robertson's performance? Um, I'll start with the the the, the one we talked about earlier when um, Lundstrom goes right through Kyogo. Um, when I watched that at full speed, I'm thinking red card. Mm. Um, I've seen what I've seen. You know, I've seen other similar challenges given as reds this season. So, what did you what did you think generally of the rest performance, Willie? In, in that particular incident, were you thinking red? Pretty poor. I, I wasn't thinking red. I thought that's definitely a booking, like, but. I think he bottled it, and I don't know as he as he looked at Kevin Clancy's performance in the last game, who took his yellow card out quite early and thought to himself, "I don't want to get tied to this same mistake he made." Did he let it go for that reason or what? But I thought he was poor. I thought if anyone should have been sent off, I thought um, Borna Barish should have been sent off. I mean, he does a, a basketball challenge. He just gets up and sort of smashes the ball out of play because it's going over his head and uh, was it Jota that was out there at the time? Jota was away, peeled off his shoulder and he was away. He gets his booking and then he dives for a penalty, tries to win a penalty and that's another bookable offence. So he should have been off for that. I think he tried to, the referee tried to let the game go, but it was more Rangers players he was letting the game go for and if they were falling over, then he would give them the free kick. But then you look at what happened to O'Reilly. It's a blatant foul, and he he just turns his back on it and decides, well, Rangers are going to get the ball here and run out the pitch. I better get my skates on and start moving up. And everyone's sort of looking like in disbelief. Why aren't you giving this? Like so, all round it was a it was quite a poor performance. I thought. Yeah, the one where uh, the one where Tillman injured himself when he tackled inverted commas Greg Taylor um, never got near the ball. Took 100% of the man, uh, and the ref gave a goal kick to, to Rangers. Um, shocking decision. Um, but, Gav, you, you're usually a fair appraiser of the referees, not like, not like the other three of us. So, um, <laughs> what did you think of the ball, Don? Well, I, I will throw that back to you with a comment that I read from a Celtic fan, uh, which uh, requires a bit of historical knowledge. And as our, we have a three of our Celtic resident historians here. So the comment is this. Can we recognise the magical Bobby Tate moment today? <laughs> Robertson decided not to give us a foul at the edge of the box when Raskin took out Matt O'Reilly. Rangers defenders all knew it was a foul and stopped. Maida sprung into action and the rest is history. Karmic beyond belief. Thanks, Don. Can you explain yeah, that? I'll, 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 exp I'll explain that one, yeah. So John Beaton, um, a, a notorious Hun referee uh, from East Kilbride. Uh, uh, yeah, Bobby Tate, sorry. Is that what, is that what I said? Yeah, I you're you're, thinking, you're not, thinking the Bobby. other notorious Hun. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. So many. Yeah, Bobby Tate. You're getting so your Bobby notorious Tate. hands mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> There's that many of them. <laughs> so, yeah, Bobby Tate, uh, an East Bride referee uh, back in the 90s. Um, I mean, Celtic were trying to stop Rangers 10 in a row in the 1998 season. Um, the second last day of the season, Rangers were at home to Kilmarnock 
and Celtic were going to Dunfermline the following day. Now, it was nip and tuck at the top. Uh, there wasn't much in it, but Celtic were slightly ahead. Um, so if Rangers had lost that game, it was it was Celtic could win it the next day. Right, so it was nothing each between Rangers and Kilmarnock at Ibrox. But bear in mind, this is before VAR or anything like that. So Bobby Tate added seven minutes injury time on, right, to try uh, for Rangers to get a winner. But lo and behold, during that seven minutes, Kilmarnock run up the park and score. So uh, backfired on him. Um, as it happened, Celtic lost the next day at Dunfermline. Uh, but went on to win the league the following week at home to um, to St Johnston in a very famous game at Celtic Park. But also Bobby Tate, that was his last ever game uh, refereeing. And apparently there's this, this thing with the SFA, they allowed the ref to pick the last game that they wanted to referee and he picked a Rangers game because of the aforementioned reason and being a notorious one. So... That's the that's the karma. He added on all that injury time for Rangers to score and they conceded a goal. Did I get that right, Steve? I have no recollection of that whatsoever. Oh, I know that as well, but yes, I'm, I'm sure. Bang on. Fraser for Kilmarnock. No, I think it was a guy called Ali Mitchell. Was um, Ali Mitchell? Yeah. A, a, Ali Mitchell, a guy who played for Kilmarnock for years back in the 1990s. Um, I'm pretty sure it was him. It was hilarious, so the, so the implication is that Don Robertson in this game was given too much the Rangers way, including that foul on Matt O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. And it backfired because we nipped in and scored. Yeah. And the, exactly. there's also people saying, oh, you want to see Robertson's uh, body language after the goal goes in, his shoulders slump, he realises he's made an arse of it. You know, I mean, I haven't seen that footage, but, you know, I'm sure it exists. I think you've got to feel sorry for uh, John Beaton as well, who was clearly he was sitting down in the Crown Bar in Bells Hill, ready to enjoy the game, and got a taxi sent for him to get up and run as a fourth right. official. Did you see his face after the game? Oh, he was he was fizzing. Not a happy man. <laughs> he wasn't happy. He'd probably at all. sitting in that bar with a full kit on, like full kit one. Yeah. W anchor. I'm trying to keep my language. I probably dropped that bar yeah. one day. Like, so. Isn't he related to one of the Celtic Down Under guys? Surname Beaton. Are you saying he's Shane's uncle? That's an allegation. That's really bad. No, Shane's very keen to point out that there's no relation. <laughs> just a twin. As, um, as a host of the Tuesday Crew podcast, I just like to disassociate us from the last comments. Like, uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. All right, um, just to be serious for a moment, um, just want to talk about what's going on with the Rangers fans. Um, so they, that, the, there was a, a flag in their end, uh, which displaying some um, fairly nasty imagery of a, an extreme right wing origin. Um, I won't go right into what was actually on it, but it was very, very offensive to, I would say, 99.5% of the population. Um, so my, my, my question for you guys is, are they getting worse? Um, is, is this sort of thing more um, on show more from them since they've been getting pumped by Celtic all the time? Or do you think they've always been like this? And I noticed as well that they, they they're now back to singing the Billy Boys again. Um, whereas I'm sure before the old Rangers went under, there was a, 
a thing where the SPFL were talking about taking points off them if that was going to be sung at their grounds or ground closures or sanctions like that. But that just seems to have been let go now. So what do you think's going on with the fans? Gav, what was you? Did you see the flag I was talking about? I was hoping you weren't going to come to me there because I needed to cough. Uh, yeah, I hope you're I not going to do that. another Todd Canwell. <laughs> I did say I'd I like to speak it. up for I'd like to speak up for racists and neo Nazis across the world. They get a bad rap. It's a really well designed flag. Nice colours were nice. I thought you were going to go to somebody else who maybe uh, knows more about these things, but I saw the various elements of that flag were picked apart, and the associations are obviously horrific. You know. Uh, it is disgusting. There's lots of ordinary, decent Rangers fans, of course. And um, there's no uh, there's no parallel between the two sets of fans, really. You know, Celtic as a club, the ethos of the club opened to everyone, all that kind of stuff. Rangers have kind of... They kind of sell themselves as being for one set of people. We are the people, not you lot. Us. So there's this us and them mentality. So if they define themselves by hating people who are, you know, look exactly like them and have the same amount of melanin in their skin, obviously they're not going to be terribly nice to people who are of color and all the rest of it. So, uh, yeah, it's all fucking horrible. And as I said a few weeks ago on the pod, if you're, Coming to Celtic recently, if you're an Aussie, if you're not part of the whole thing, you know, love your team for all the right reasons. Don't buy into all the nonsense and all the hate. I saw somebody else in the in the chat saying about how, you know, it's kind of the era we live in, populism on the rise, cost of living crisis going on, wealth gap ever growing, jobs disappearing for a number of reasons. So in that kind of environment, fascism does very well, flourishes. But, you know, I think I lament the fact that we can't just all enjoy the football for the football, hate the opposing fans because there are local rivals. There are the second best team. You know, that's that's why I, you know, get it right up to Rangers fans. But um, none of this other nonsense. I also saw a thing today. Uh, on Twitter, I don't know if any of you saw it. If you see the Ireland against fascism Twitter handle, there was a bunch of guys in Northern Ireland after the game who were so angered by Celtic beating their beloved Rangers that they went round their neighbour's house, a known Catholic single mother, and started kicking her door and trying to wrestle her ring camera off and saying, there's tags in here, there's fiends in here, all this kind of stuff. So, Associating the sport of football and watching your team and a game with all this other nonsense is horrific and, you know, it needs to be controlled more. Yeah, as I may have mentioned before, I've been watching Celtics since the late 70s and we've always known that there's there's a far right element in the Rangers support, but I don't feel as if it's ever been more blatant than it is today. Um, and I agree with I did see that video um, from Lurgan uh, where the you know the, the young girl they were trying to kick her door in 
Um, and I also seen on Twitter today a guy from the hospitality section, uh, the Rangers hospitality section, spitting on Celtic fans. Um, so, Willie, in your time, is it worse than it's ever been, or, or do you think it's always been like this? Um, it's difficult to answer that question. I mean, yeah, I think it is starting to get a lot worse. I think that heat, hatred between them and us is it is becoming more vehement, and it's more on their side because we are doing so well and we are so successful that they're they just they're just hating it and they can't handle it. And it's it's starting to come out. I mean, you look at what's happened. Joe Hart's had glass thrown into the box a half time. He's come out and he's had to tell the referee, "Look, I'm going to walk off the pitch if you don't get this sorted." You've had Rangers fans going into the ground. So we're going to set up a tifo and they're stashing weapons around the place. It's it seems to be getting worse on on their behalf. Like definitely, you see that flag there. It's absolutely disgusting. Like it's it's. There's no need for that in any any way, shape or form in this day and age, like none whatsoever. And then you see them in Europe, they were they didn't take an away allocation because they were going to get the away allocation taken off them because of the racist chanting they were doing. So it's it seems to be more prevalent with them than it has been for a while. But I think a lot of that could come down to the fact that we are doing so well and they are not getting much success at all. So Yeah, um I just want to go back, um, I think, about a year now to, to something that happened here in Sydney um, at the Australia FA Cup final last year when a, a, an NPL team called Sydney United got there who are generally associated with the, the Croatian population in Sydney. Uh, but in their support, there was a far-right element um, and they had they, they were chanting some stuff, they were making some gestures which were you know related to, to the far-right. Um, and the New South Wales government acted quite quickly to charge these guys, and the, the police, New South Wales police rather, um, charged them uh, with inciting hatred. And there was a couple of life bans handed out, if I remember correctly. C- can you remember that, Steve? Um, and I was just wondering, why is it? Why is that sort of thing not happening in the UK? Yeah, I must admit, the, the thing I've just written down is, it's a bit old school but there's this theory around broken window you know broken window theory in fact call it and it's around what you see as acceptable and what you walk by you know becomes the norm you know so if there's one broken window uh in your street and you walk by it you know in a week's time there'll be five you know and then it grows to graffiti then it grew you know it kind of originated in i want to say new york or something similar but when you think about the behaviour from the Rangers fans, and, it, and it's certainly not all, you know, it, let's be very clear, it's a it's a not insignificant minority, yeah, and I'd argue the flag is at the extreme end of that. But we've also had kill all takes, we've had the reemergence of the Billy Boys, we've had the famine song, you know, we've had all these behaviours that are almost becoming acceptable and appear to be, you know, the new floor, you know, and, and, you know, things then, you know, go beyond that and the behaviours get worse from there. Now, what what um, happened in Sydney, um, I had friends at that game and they said it, it was 
pretty toxic. It was pretty obvious, you know, what was going on. Um, but the authorities just viewed it as unacceptable. And they used the CCTV. They identified the individuals involved. And, you know, there's I think there's either prosecutions being completed or going through and lifetime bans put in place. Now, we could spend a long time talking about um, ethnic origin soccer in Australia um, and some of the toxic things that have gone on historically in Australia. You know, it's pretty, uh, you know, it's, it's a bit of a messy history. But the reality is I think the authorities acted and acted strongly in that instance, you know, and hopefully they can nip it in the bud. But my worry is, unless I've missed it, I haven't seen anything in the mainstream media about that that flag. Yeah, nothing. There's been nothing at all. Um, so, nothing at all. And it's quite clear. It's quite clear from the TV footage who the guys are next to the flag. It wouldn't be difficult to identify them. But Stephen, there's, there's, you know, you don't have to be bloody, you know, the greatest detective on earth. You know, there's. There's pictures of the same guys in Europe, you know, earlier this season. You know, all standing, you know, saluting the air in a certain style, you know, wearing their black, you know, with their faces blurred out. But, you know, I'm sorry. Bloody work it out. You know, and my worry is, going, to, going back to that broken window thing, you know, if, if this passes without comment or passes without action, then that becomes the new floor. That becomes acceptable to certain people. Maybe I might call them idiots and ignoramuses, but it becomes acceptable to, you know, a section of that population. And, you know, where does that then go? Yeah, um, it's, it's very sad to see. Um, and I must admit, it has surprised me how brazen and out in the open it is. And um, you're right, Steve, there's been... No- Virtually no condemnation in the mainstream media, not even a mention of it. It was just as if it was a normal football banner that was there. Um, and for me, that's no, not acceptable. Um, is there any concerns about us going to their stadium in a couple of weeks with no Celtic fans there, potentially as league champions? Um, given the fact that we've had coaching staff and players assaulted there before, um, and also, you mentioned earlier, Willie, about stashing weapons inside the stadium. You know, should we be concerned for that one, uh, Willie? Uh, th- there is, there has to be concerns there now because there's going to be a full stadium or Rangers fans, and we've seen that when when they do act up. I mean, last I think it was last week I was talking about it. A guy ran on the pitch to challenge Scott Brown. He was just escorted back to his seat and he was sat back down, you know what I mean? It wasn't like, right, you're outside, you're out of this, you're never going to get to a football game for the rest of your life. He was just taken back in, right, there's your seat there, in you go, sit down. So, yeah, there's bound to be concerns. I mean, by the time you're getting your physio bottled, you're getting glass thrown on the pitch, there's obviously going to be concerns there, but are they going to have a full house? Because... The mood amongst them right now is pretty bad. You might find that it's going to be a half-empty stadium there when we turn up. Gav, I'll put this scenario to you. Celtic are 2-0 up at Ibrox after 20 minutes. Um, and Jota goes over to take a corner uh, just in front of the Copeland Road stand. Do you think it'd be, it'd be a safe situation for a Celtic employee to be in? 
it definitely has to be a concern. You know, if we're beating them again, and there's thousands of their fans frothing at the mouth, you know, you would hope that there would be some extra security for our bench, at least, uh, to stop a fan running down and, you know, assaulting the manager like happened Neil Lennon at Hearts. You know, something like that would have to be a concern for sure. Um, if I can just say a couple more things, uh, slightly in the interest of balance, but picking up again on Steve's broken window theory, they may live in a street full of broken windows. Every house has got panes smashed, but I wouldn't say ours is entirely free of broken windows. There's no comparison between the two, but while a section of our fans are still singing that Super Trooper song, is uh, that's clearly something that we ought to address. I'm not saying there's a parallel in any way. And on the other side of things, to maybe end on a lighter note, uh, I, there is one Rangers fan, something of a celebrity Rangers fan, who's definitely not a racist. And I think we all enjoyed uh, checking out her Twitter this week. And that is Lana yeah. Wolf. Yeah. More, more power to you, Lana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's got she's uh, got plenty up front. Let's just put it that way. Gav's Gav's holding out for the uh, the dream team of uh, TikTok Todd and and Lana. Um, <laughs> you know, doing some videos together. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. We're definitely we're definitely here for that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, just, just seriously, just going back. Sorry, just going back to you know the Rangers and and. I, I, you know, I said it at the beginning, you know, it's not all of them, you know, and there's different degrees of their fan base that see different things as acceptable. And in fairness to them, I've seen a lot of people come out and say, you know, that's absolutely abhorrent, don't want any part of it, etc. I mean, the reality is, there's no self policing, you know, there's no. You know, they seem to almost revel in the fact that, you know, Chris Sutton was told, yeah, you know, we can't guarantee your safety, you know, so you can't come to the stadium and, and you know, and all the rest of it. And I just look at that and I just think, surely to God, someone somewhere is sitting there thinking, you know, this has to stop, you know, because it will escalate. You know, your scenario, Stephen, you know, honestly, you know, it will escalate at some point. And... You know, I really worry about, genuinely worry about people's safety, you know, when it does. Yeah, I've got serious concerns about this game in, in two weeks. And um, I hope the I hope Celtic have as well and are making appropriate representations to both uh, Rangers and the police, seeking assurances that, that, you know, proper measures will be in place. And I certainly hope the, the, the policing, certainly round about the pitch, is certainly increased to, to the maximum level. Uh, because there is a danger to our players, and if you can't be sure that the that the players are safe, then you know how can you play a proper game of football? It's just not right at all. Um, so yeah, I do definitely have concerns, and that'll be our priority: is like getting everyone out of there safe. Mm. What the hell's yeah. going on in the world when that's the main mm. concern? Yeah, it's disgusting. So on a lighter note. Um, can't let us all go without this week's episode of Beal Shit. Um, 
So after the match, uh, I had to listen to Michael Beale's comments. Um, and he actually said um, that the Rangers played quite well. You know, they were, it was just really one moment in the game that cost them. Uh, but then proceeded to say that all the players weren't good enough and we're all getting sacked in the summer. Um, so I, I was wondering, um, completely contradictory, of course, uh, but I was wondering if we do beat them in a couple of weeks, is Michael Beale going to be part of the rebuild? Yeah, I think his job's safe until he fails next year, uh, probably around October, and then he'll be gone. Well, he's, yeah. I mean, he's shown he's shown his loyalty. You know, he's shown how loyal he can be to his employers. Um, oh no, sorry, hang on. That's that's the exact opposite of what he's shown. But um, I, I think it'll be taken out of his hands. I, I genuinely do. I think. I think he's not going to get the budget that he's anticipating the rebuild that they're talking about. I mean, they are talking literally a dozen to 14 players leaving, you know, and they're still holding out hope. This is the, the thing that makes me laugh. They're still holding out, you know, hope. Ah, oh, maybe someone will come in for, you know, Haji and, and you know, spend four or five million on Haji or, you know, and all the rest of it. And it's, it's obviously it's the hope that kills them uh, repeatedly. But if, you know, if I'm honest, I, 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 I think he'll, I think he'll really struggle. He'll either not get the money he's after or he needs, and he'll walk. Or yeah, to Gav's yeah, point, yeah. he'll hang around, you know, for two or three games and then, uh, you know, combust. Yeah. Speaking of Haji, I don't know if you've seen him stretching before the game before he came on as a mm. sub. Very impressive. I mean, that yeah. was probably the most impressive yeah. thing Rangers did all day. Yeah. I mean, he almost, he almost got his testicles touching the ground during a stretch. Yeah, yeah so, yeah. That probably happens to you now as well, Stephen, given your age. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it happens when I sit down for my dinner. <laughs> oh, there's an image. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Beals and if he loses to Celtic, maybe loses another game in the running. Um, I think he's in trouble. I think his job's in trouble, and he could be looking for a for a new manager uh, before the end of the season. So um, that would be that would be absolutely hilarious. So all right, probably should wind it up um, at this point, unless anyone's got anything else they want to say. No, oh, we've gone long enough. I think. Yeah. All right, so thanks very much to everyone uh, who joined us on YouTube. Um, please don't forget to like and subscribe to the channel. It helps us to grow the algorithms, whatever that means. <laughs> Maybe somebody can enlighten me. Um, and if you're listening to the, the podcast download, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, feel free to reach out to us on any of our social media channels. We're on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. And all the handles are at the top of the screen there or in the or in the podcast notes. So I might just grab a final thought from you before we go. So Willie. Um no real final thoughts for tonight. Um just hopefully we'll get the win on Saturday and get the league title wrapped up. Steve. Uh similar, you know, sooner the better. Um 
you know, close out the season, we're on the cusp of a treble. And I say that with all respect to ICT, you know, who will face in the final. But, you know, let's um, let's close it out the way that Ange will insist. And Gaff, anything to leave us with? You're on, You're on mute, Gaff. Fantastic second season for Ange. I uh, hope the story has several more to go. Excellent. Oh. Um, so my final thought is uh, for yesterday. Uh, many happy returns to who a guy who was the best right back in the world in his day, uh, and a magnificent Celtic captain. Um, so I'll close the show with that, uh, and I'll just Hang say on. good night. Apart from Diego Laxalt, <laughs> I should have said that. I should have said the best right back in the world without braids in his hair. <laughs> Danny, what a guy! We'll maybe do a piece about Danny in a future pod. Yeah. All right. So enjoy the rest of your week, guys. Good night. God bless. It here, you. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.